ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dying Time is here. That's right, we're talking Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child on Kill My Kill. Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from 1428 Elm Street, or as close to it as we can possibly get. Uh, this is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all of the gory details of the dumbest fucking movie in the Nightmare in Elm Street series, and the hopes, the dire hopes, that these dead teens end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person that I trust that if I get pregnant, she's going to bring me a bottle of champagne. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I'm good, Patrick. I, I am delighted to usher in the, the fall season, the, the, the spookiest time of the year with the dumbest movie we've probably watched so far. <laughs> And, and I, mean, I, I am, I am actually putting this up here with with Jason X. This is <laughs> box of rocks, dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's crazy to think, right, that they only had four weeks to prep this and four weeks to shoot it and four weeks of post, and then they put it out in theaters. <laughs> it, yeah, that 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 commitment to putting something out as quickly as possible really, really shows. <laughs> it does in every single frame, no matter how well conceived or how delightfully art directed, it is dumb as shit. <laughs> uh, now, I don't want to alarm you, Gina, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a very special guest whose qualifications make him the perfect person. To help us prepare for the arrival of a baby serial killer, he's probably the preeminent baby gear guru that has ever been. Now he's going to become the guru guy for everything. The one, the only, Jamie Grayson. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm good. How are y'all? Uh, I'm very good. I went into some sort of valley speak for no particular reason, <laughs> other than the fact that I was born and raised in Southern California, and apparently I had a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> I come from Arkansas, so you never know what's going to slip out of my mouth. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah, oh, we, we, it's a we, real treat. And I'm from New Jersey, so we've got all kinds of accents just butting heads with each other here. <laughs> it really does make sense for a movie that seems to take place in Nowheresville. Yeah. I think the I think it's the next movie where they actually identify where this is supposed to have taken place. But up until this point, Springwood has pretty much resided in Southern California. And then they're like, oh, no, 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 wait. It's Ohio for some fucking reason. Except for all the license plates and palm trees. You know? Yes. Oh, places riddled with palm trees, especially mm -hmm. the graveyards, which <laughs> we don't get to visit in this section of the movie. But, you know. No, no one can tell what happens in the second 45 minutes because we're not breaking this one down into thirds. We're just going to we learned our lesson with Jason X. We're just going to get through this together. So, Jamie. Yeah. You love horror films. I do. But when did your romance with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise begin? 
Uh, so when I was a kid, I was staying at my grandparents and I went to go rent uh, this masterpiece of cinema, Care Bears Movie 2. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, I went to go get it at the movie's rental place and my grandmother made me take it back because she thought it was black magic. So of course, <laughs> in second grade or whatever, I was like, I'll exchange it for Nightmare on Elm Street 3. So <laughs> the people running the movie store let me rent it. I took it home, watched it, scared the shit out of my sister, but I've always loved Nightmare on Elm Street because my grandparents lived at the corner of Elm and Victory Street, uh-huh. and their house was the last house on the left. <laughs> so I've always just been a little bit demented, um, even though I talk about car seats all day. So Someone should be an expert. And, listen, and the other thing is someone should impart that desire for safety into this goddamn movie. Uh, especially for Dan. Oh, oh poor, poor, beautiful Dan. This is <laughs> now... In the previous movie, I was not too kind to Dan's looks, but I think he's they they found the right thing for Dan here, which to die is quickly. If you're good, die quickly <laughs> and take off your fucking shirt. Yeah, my favorite. So I I you know went back and revisited this movie in the past week since we connected about this. Watched it a couple times and then went back and <laughs> listened to your episodes on part four. Mm-hmm. And you talk about. You know, at the funeral, why the hell is he wearing these jeans, you know? (laughs) But then in my mind, I'm like, why? I have two questions about the pool scene. Uh And one is, why is he wearing jeans and shirtless at the pool inside? It doesn't make any sense at all. And this champagne that he's like, oh, this is for Alice. We're going to celebrate. Why the hell does he have champagne out in a warm, humid environment like that (laughs) instead of being cold if they're going to go get wasted? He's not smart. (laughs) Why does he give the speech at graduation then? (laughs) I'm not sure that's an official speech. Dan seems to be the party king of Springwood (laughs) High or something along those lines. I don't, I, that doesn't appear to be on a stage, uh, not a formal one. It's more like, Hey, I'm king of the dipshits. And now I'm going to address everyone. And like five people turn around. Meanwhile, the rest of the high school, those that have survived are like, uh, whatever, Dan, where did they all come from? All of her new friends. Yeah. I, I need to talk about this because is this supposed to be, this can't be more than like a year after yeah. the events of the, the last movie, right? I would assume an exact year. They yes. can't be. So she has she has completely new friends, mm-hmm. all of which seem to have no idea what happened. No. Which, which is a little puzzling to me because these were all, everybody that died in the last movie were all students at the same high school. Uh-huh. Th- these were their peers. And, you know, everybody's just like, they're sneaking up on her and, and you know, confused as to why she's depressed. And, and gee, you know, why are you not happy just because your brother and all your friends died horribly, some of them before <laughs> your very eyes last year? I mean, she literally, she literally has to explain to her new friends what happened. And that her, that her twin baby brother died in a sensual dojo having a karate fight with an invisible man. This is why people dismiss her quite generally. It's because these deaths are so fucking ludicrous 
that they don't pay any attention or any mind. But as we've often complained, they also take the hard and fast facts of this, a la Freddy Krueger was a serial killer that everyone knew did it. And then he got off on a technicality and they're like, ho-hum, let me draw a comic book. It's like someone, like this guy killed 20 fucking kids in your town. Uh Everything everything that has happened so far has happened in these characters' lifetimes. Yes, we're we're only in we're only maybe into a decade into the story, <laughs> and and again these these people who were around and alive and could easily go ask their parents about it are just like who what what ch- what murder children what that happened right here yeah and it's and it's like as each it's something I think about with every new Nightmare on Elm Street as they were coming out it's like all of these new friends come in, you know, and in part four, Alice has all these friends that she super loves and like they're on her mirror. And in this one, they all seem to be very, very close, even though they're never referenced in part four at all. You don't, you don't get that close to somebody in one year, but they're practically analogous to the old friends because there's not a huge difference between Debbie and Greta. Like, there's the same amount of hair. It's just piled up in different <laughs> places. You know, love Kelly Jo Minter as much as I do as anyone who watched a bunch of 80s movies. And she's, she's no Toy Newkirk. She, she, well, no, but she has her own lane. Mm-hmm. But she's practically in the same fucking role. I mean, they literally... This is like out of the Friday the 13th playbook where they just like, all right, we need someone to be a woman of color and we need a hot girl. And then we need like uh, some goofus who's used too much sun in on his bangs. Okay. (laughs) It's like, it's like someone came in after everybody in the last movie died and did the whole men in black thing. Just like, (laughs) but, but left, but, but left Alice, the person who you probably could use with your memory wipe. They let her be her and her dad are like the only people that, that even reference what has happened in the past. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. So let's just, let's just get into this so that we can then get out of it. (laughs) But uh, let's start with this movie already zagging on us because we have come to be very used to a certain start to a a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Not not this one. (laughs) No. Gone is the preamble quote of the Oxford Dictionary defines a dream as (laughs) sort of deal. And now we get a Nightmare on Elm Street. No five. Five is not seen in this title. It's just a Nightmare on Elm Street and then a whole new font, The Dream Child which takes its own goddamn time dotting an I, you know, (laughs) the scariest of the lowercase letters. It's also a long opening credit sequence. And it's it's a opens with something we've not seen before in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And I don't think we see it again, to which I am grateful, which is a very weirdly shot sex scene. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Here's something I just learned. And while we are not going to see this section of the movie in this episode, we will eventually. 
at some point, a, a Super Freddy shows up at this. And apparently they hired a rather buff dude to be Super Freddy. At the same time, they're like, hey, we got to shoot this weird close-up of muscles. Um, <laughs> which really look like someone pushing their fist through uh, silicone. It's very odd. Just a bunch of rising body parts. <laughs> you don't know what you're looking at. Which yeah, is like, it's true. Like, I, I'm like, is that is that someone's butt? Is that a I stomach? I would prefer to have Dan in that because Dan is not unpleasant to the eye. No. So have Dan and Alice there. It doesn't make sense that like, oh, we're just going to use this body double, which like, who cares? Super Freddy is super Freddy. Just a mess. It's just writhing muscles. And at one point I'm like, hey, it's Dan's butt. No, it's Alice's rib cage. And I'm like, you should be able to tell the difference between those two things. And it's like, oh, there's a shoulder blade thrown in there at some point. You never if you know. told me that like five people were having sex in this sequence, <laughs> See, I'm like, I believe it. I was thinking of that scene from uh, Top Secret where they have the, uh, <laughs> the Blue Lagoon sequence. And you see like somebody's back and there's like three hands like, or it's like it's like um in the naked gun when they put on the full body condoms and they just kind of roll out <laughs> yeah. on each other and you don't know what during the sequence i got very excited because one of the writers was named leslie now not to cast aspersions but i was like oh my god there's a nightmare in elm street that's written by a woman no leslie is a dude and he's also written a couple other things that should be noted. One is House 3, a.k.a. The Horror Show, with Lance Henriksen, in which he beats another dream demon serial killer uh, by just, like, hanging out with him in his basement. It's a very weird movie. Also, Dante's Peak, in oh, which an old Lord. woman Ooh. boils herself to death <laughs> while pushing a rowboat. I love that scene. Yes. Oh. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Grandma got us across this boiling lake that it, she was able to walk through while boiling to death. Isn't it like boiling water and sulfur or something? Yes. Like, like her, yes. Like her, That's how the wood boat is fine. Like, like her, I, her legs are basically like two sharpened little pencils. But she gets yes. out of that lake. She's a skeleton person on the bottom, but with enough muscle to push a family across a lake. Oh, God. And... Just in case you were wondering, well, Patrick, is that the dumbest fucking Universal movie you saw when you were working there? No. This Leslie dude wrote Daylight with Sylvester Stallone in which toxic sludge fills up the Jersey Tunnel and they escape through a hatch at some point. I think of that movie every time I go through the Lincoln Tunnel. Every (laughs) time. If I don't think about that, I think about the scene in the stand when they have to go through and 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 you know with all the over all the dead bodies and all. But that's like genuinely creepy. Daylight is dumb, <laughs> but, 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 but with extra bees that. at the end. <laughs> I'll put that on my list. Oh, oh my no. god! I it'll be a goddamn day too soon before I ever revisit <laughs> daylight. That was a rough fucking couple years there in terms of universal output. I think there was one year where they had two good movies. Two. (laughs) And I saw all of them. It was mandatory. One was Bride of Chucky and the other one was Out of Sight. And to this day, they're the two best movies that Universal made while I worked there. (laughs) All right. So story credit is also given to a couple of horror fantasy authors named John Skip and Craig Spector. They were kind of gore punks. I guess was the thing at the time. 
Uh, they wrote about a lot of like vampire punks, shit like this. Yeah, I mean, the, definitely the uh, the dance death. And if it had been slightly better special effects, it would have been pretty cool. Yes. Um, yeah, that's very, it's a very cyberpunky death. Yeah. So that's, uh, you yeah, know, the 90s are coming, everyone. Oh, have boy, you, are they have, ever. Have you both seen like the the full unedited version of this movie? No. It's yeah, a, I've I've seen like the supposed level. un. I mean, you everything is elongated. Yeah. All the, the all the like. Oh, they're so on, drawn out. Yeah. yeah, and somewhere in between the two probably would have been better. Like I don't know that it's better that Greta is fed her own stomach, but as shown in the edited version, it makes zero fucking sense. Yeah. It's just like, here, have some jello. All of a sudden, my claws are a spin. Well, that, that's also what's interesting in this, just in this movie in general, is there is no, in the actual dream kills, not unlike what happens in the real world, but in the dream kills, there's no blood. Yeah, I think I think there was this thing, like the way around the MPAA is to make these things as fantastical as possible, and then they'll just let us do it. And it turns out, that is not the case because they edited the fuck out yeah. of this movie. It also should be noted that this is, and I'm going to put this in as big a dick fingers as I could possibly manage on a podcast, directed by Stephen Hopkins. <laughs> now, he, this man has been known for such motion pictures as Judgment Night, a movie whose only achievement is having an interesting soundtrack, and... Predator 2, where Hopkins decided it was a great time to yell at his cast while they were doing a live interview on Good Morning America. So after this parade of successes, he was chased off to direct mediocre TV shows for the rest of his life. Uh, He directed half of the original season of 24, everyone, probably where the daughter was scared by a cougar. I'd probably put him... (laughs) Probably directed that episode. It's my guess. Uh, Let's welcome back Lisa Wilcox as Alice, everybody. Uh, She's the new Nancy slash Kristen. And uh, right away, we get a through the shower door nude scene. So whoever her agent is really negotiated well for this. That's what I don't understand either with that. And I think this is the first time it has hit me when I was rewatching it. I was like, why... When Alice goes from like this mousy girl in part four to like, blah, blah, I'm going to like blow people, blow Freddie up with this robot contraption I plug into a wall. Mm-hmm. And she's like a badass. She's still like wholesome Alice. So why in the whole canon of this movie, when there is no female nudity, all of a sudden it's Lisa Wilcox and like Alice. Yeah, it's always been used as a tool by Freddie to seduce guys. Which I encourage. aside from the waterbed sequence, but yeah, in, in well, terms there, of like, and the th- and the third one, he becomes a sexy nurse, yeah, but in, in a white like, g-string. In terms of like the female character, yeah, 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 yeah. you yes. never see any of them naked at all. I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's sort of a a clumsy exposition to to let you know that she's you know she's almost she's getting to be a woman now. Yeah, you know she she's got a a a boyfriend that she makes sex with, so you know we went. <laughs> We we get to I mean I guess I the way the whole the, the way the opening is set up the whole thing feels like she dreamt it all. I, it almost feels like yeah. what they're really doing is passing an orange between both of their legs in the nude because <laughs> either like why not just show me Dan's butt moving up and down like yeah. even Friday the Thirteenth figured this out but 
why they why it has to be blue lit muscles and hyper close it's like up. some like erotic thriller type shit that like is never that's again that's it's very jarring because you've never seen anything like that i, mean, I don't care as a sex scene it's fine i'm no. used to i'm used to that in in crappy v-grade horror movies it's just again it's like all erotically lit and and you can't tell which one is which or who it is it's, and it's like just, dan has a really really big awful lava lamp in his bedroom <laughs> And Which I wouldn't like, put past him. Oh, abs- I mean, Alice has a planner made out of blue jeans. So <laughs> these people have weird shit in their houses. She also has acquired diaphanous purple lace curtains, which we see a lot of. Where does one pick this up? I mean, at Elvira's garage sale, where is this available commercially? I think maybe a church swap meet or something. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. It is a, so we get a, a play on the, um, the faucets come alive on us mm-hmm. thing here where the, the shower fills up and she finally gets the door open and then she spit into the Freddy's dream factory, which I, I think is an okay yeah. thing. Um, but she's immediately thrust into a dream hallway. And again, with this franchise, who told someone at New Line, you know what teens are afraid of? Hallways. Oh, there is, is so much just aimless walking around in in, in uh, this movie with like, you know. There's lots of swinging lights. Yeah, with, yes. with some you know, vague dripping in the background. So it's a great idea to make this franchise more both sex focused and rapey because those two go together. You know, they put the gross chocolate and the inappropriate peanut butter of Freddy films. Yeah. And now we get to relive ghost nuns rape by a hundred maniacs. This Dickensian, but, it's insane asylum. Oh, yeah. where, where the men are wearing these old timey underwear suits. And so, <laughs> it, so, look, it looks like some bonkers ass immersive theater of like Marat sod. It something. does. And like, there's like random people like chained to a wall. Yeah. It's like, and all the beams are cantilevered with cloth. It's like, why would you need that? Why, w- why would this insane asylum just have an open air room where like, well, everyone should gather and shuffle and, and, and around like, like fish in the ocean yeah. and getting and it, gathered by dolphins. And then and we it, just like lock it up for the weekend with all of them in here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and of course, <laughs> because, because it's a, uh, it's a hospital and a horror movie, it's woefully understaffed. And then Alice, I guess she never found out about the backstory. So this is new to her. The only person who found it out beforehand was Craig. It was Craig Wasson and, <laughs> who, and the Good Time Gang. Who pieced, who pieced the fuck out after part three, I guess. I get I get Craig, I'm too good for this shit, Wasson. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, someone at New Line has discovered the zither. So we get a lot of zither sounds in this movie, which I am not okay with. It's not a scary instrument, everyone. We can put that behind us. You know what I'm not okay with? Baby Freddy. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. uh-uh. I, I, that is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in He's my not, entire life. He looks like he is born a mix of E.T. and Gollum. They are retconning again. In in yes. that you know before you know certainly at least the first movie he was just some dude that that killed some kids and then they burnt him and then he was all scarred up 
Mm-hmm. And it's like a revenge thing. It's like, oh, it's a death curse. We're back to a death. I can get behind the death curse. Now, apparently, Amanda Kruger, it's like the scene in The Fly when when, <laughs> when Gina Davis is pregnant and she, she has the nightmare about giving birth to like a giant maggot. I, I feel that it, it is an... It, I, I really do think it, somebody saw that. It's like, oh, that's cool. Let's put that in here. It just, oh, yeah. it, because it, he's he's like a little, it's like a little worm with Freddy's head on it. it he has multiple joints in his limbs. Now, I mean, I, just like, you know, I, I get that, you know, she was raped by several people, but these were all human beings were they not yeah. i mean I, yeah you know i don't think they were demons and yeah, insane i mean they were just a bunch of crazy people so that that she shouldn't be giving birth to a literal monster no. and it's i mean it's not not to obviously i have to be cautious given my field but it's not like if he if she was raped by all of these lunatics in this insane asylum that they were all drinking and like this baby is born with fetal alcohol syndrome. Like he's born with ET syndrome and it makes no sense whatsoever. He's part leopard, part bat, and also <laughs> burnt up Freddy Krueger. Uh-huh. Like I get that it's a nightmare imagery. Yes, it's like Stephen Hopkins looked at the, the fly and it's alive and said, you know oh, what? Yeah, I could yeah. do it's better al- than David fucking David. Cronenberg. <laughs> like the gall, like the balls on this guy. He's like, you know, you know what i think i could plus that up with the whole stephen hopkins charm like just fuck makes, you dude that no ain't sense. happening but before we get to that we have a lot of introductions because we we really haven't met these people yet and we got to get to them one by one it's alice is getting it on proper with dan a dude who is comfortable in novelty glasses <laughs> and she's replaced Debbie and Sheila with Greta and Yvonne. Greta is, she's got a lot of hair volume and she's constantly being body shamed by her mother. Greta is like, is, Greta is like 30. Come on. Yes. Come oh, on. Yeah. But her mom is 40 and is dressed like she's attending both a mob wedding and funeral at the same time. Uh, she reminds me specifically in Greta's death sequence with that bright, bright hair. It is like she is a mix of Delia from Beetlejuice and mm-hmm. something from Hellraiser. It, yes. Her outfit is just out there. And I people in Ohio, as far as I know, that's not <laughs> you buy your crap at like pennies or dillards. That's you don't buy stuff like that. You everything's Arizona jeans. Uh yeah, this is that's a real weird scene. Uh Yvonne, uh, once again played by 80s staple player Kelly Joe Minter. Uh, who sounds like she has voiced many peanut characters. I This is a personal revelation that I don't believe I have said on the podcast to date. I once dated a girl who, in her youth, was the voice of Charlie Brown. And really? Yes. And what? I can't say that that part of it wasn't appealing. <laughs> Go think. I had to go think for a couple of minutes. Oh, that's really weird. It is. Well, yes. That's why I said that it amazing? on the podcast that I've recorded. <laughs> because it is weird as fuck that that is something that not only happened, but I heard her and said, you want to go see a play with me, little lady? And she said, yes. And oh. uh, we made out, but I don't, 
I it didn't it did not last. But uh, you know, such okay, that, that that wasn't that didn't get as weird as I as I uh, feared it was going to get weird. Oh, you mean like <laughs> I had this thing where I I put down a football and to try to kick to it, the and then we thing. had sex. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, I was going to say just making her talk dirty in that voice. I I, I had a friend. My background is in theater, and I was on tour for a long time with different musicals. And one of my wardrobe guys. His girlfriend for years, her favorite movie was Babe, Pig in the City. Uh, and uh-huh. one time when they were done consummating their relationship, because he thought it would be funny, he was like, that'll do, pig. And then they broke up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that um, is fucking justified. I, I have, That absolutely, she's in the right. And mm-hmm, he is mm-hmm. in the wrong. Yes, it was it was not a relationship that was meant to be. And I did not set up a, a psychiatrist five cents stand and lure her into it and confessing something and then, you know, end up getting a hand job out of it. Oh, it was all above board. It did not get into freaky peanut sex. I just <laughs> want to put that out there. Did she have a friend that carried around like a really dirty blanket? Yes, but awesome. that everyone does, Jamie. Everyone does us we're adults yep. we have friends with dirty blankets that's how that's how that's how you know you've graduated to another level and you're beyond your college friends mm-hmm. and mark Bless. who just can't use sun in properly by the looks of it and is dressed like a goddamn nightmare later on he appears to wear a drug rug vest <laughs> Yeah, over Paisley, which is not a good look. It's his outfits are a mess. And like, if you watch Never Sleep Again, they say they did it to help with the black and white effect when Super Freddy makes his appearance. Oh, but yeah, that's justification. It's his outfits are terrible. No, this and is he's like, I'm pining for you, Greta. But someone on the set of this movie got a really good deal at a sample sale because everyone's swimsuits later on are crazy as fuck. There's no way you're diving in something that, that dangles that has beads on it. You don't dive off of a high dive board with an, a, with a beaded swimsuit. That's fucking <laughs> nuts. Everyone. Dan is being aggressively recruited to be a football player. I guess that's part of his backstory. Who knows? Who cares? He doesn't cares. last very long. Alice's father uh, makes an appearance here after she has graduated, after she has lamented that he didn't show up to graduation. He does dressed in a short sleeve shirt and tie with epaulets. <laughs> and if you're trying to convince me he has stopped drinking, that is not the way to do it. Uh-uh. Unless he is piloting a bus plane somewhere, that is an inappropriate outfit for a graduation. That is, He, he looks like... A cast member at some ride that got closed down at Disney. That's right. He looks like he's in charge of of the monorail. When I I went to Dollywood, have you ever been to Dollywood, by the way? No, I have not. It's magical. You can see pork rinds being made, which is horrifying and fascinating. I'm booking a ticket right Uh, now. But all of the people that run the rides there are octogenarians. And you're getting on, like, roller coasters. And it's all these old people, like... 
we got you going. And you, you're used to like, you're used to 14 year olds at Six Flags, which is also scary, but it's even scarier when they're like your grandparents. So the ride operators, this is some sort of retirement plan that they have for themselves. It's where Alice's dad goes. He yeah. goes to work at Hollywood in Pigeon Forge. You know what? Uh, as long as he stopped drinking, that mm-hmm. might be a good thing for him. Uh, later on in the movie, we also learn that Alice is still making him dinner. What is what is the deal with their relationship? Why is she his wife at that household? It's very weird. To I, I did I did think the two little sad banquet dinner boxes on in the kitchen was a nice a nice realistic touch. Yes. You, you know she you know she was heating up some of that Salisbury steak. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, when they you look inside of the refrigerator and it turns into the sledgehammer video, um, yes. uh, there are so many cans with uh, tin foil over the top of them. I thought like I was at my food. nana's house. It's like old bolo dog food, and you put yeah. the foil over it. <laughs> it's, it's a very terrible. weird scene. Um, and just before we leave this graduation, though, they they all do take a group picture with their parents. And the only thing missing is a title card stating National Lampoon's Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a super weird scene. So cut to a playground. Alice is on her way to work. And of course, she is cut through this playground so that she can encounter the International Jed Child's Jump Rope Team, uh-huh. complete with two extra boys just tossing a red ball back and forth. I don't know what those two are good for. They don't even have a cool song to sing. But uh, it's not really plussing up this idea. So, yeah, we get back into something that we missed in its entirety for the Dream Master, and I really didn't miss it. And that's ghost nun bullshit. I'm I am not into the ghost nun at yeah, all. Yeah, this this whole storyline is just so pulled out of someone's ass. It's 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 yeah. you being pregnant that brings him back, and it's like, wait, what? How? Why? <laughs> well, that's. That's what is ridiculous is like you look at like all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. The first one, he was just kind of always there. The second one, he's a school bus driver. The third one, he's just there again. The fourth, the dog pisses fire. This one, Gollum Freddy baby thing climbs into some pants. Like (laughs) it's. Because his clothes are still laying out in this church for some reason. Uh Yeah, why are why why how is this church still ex- First of all, what is up with the sudden uptick in religious imagery in this fucking franchise? They wandered into that church in the fourth one and you're like, this has no place in it, but someone had an extra quarter of a mill to spend and they're going to build a two-story set. Yeah. Now we've gone back to it. They've made worse stained glass windows, which which as we all know is what teens are very afraid of stained glass windows and his clothes are still there does that mean that the ghostbusters gun is still there can't you just hold up another fucking mirror and he'd be donezo done uh, that's all it took last time it's like hey look at a mirror bye and now mirrors don't work i just no one understands no. how fucking freddy works nope. and that's <laughs> Kind of a problem for me when you watch these things back to back, isolated unto themselves. I'm sure people can just get past it. But as we watch them one after the other, it becomes very clear. No one has a fucking clue how this dream maniac works. Well, now we're five movies in and and 
how many people have been killed? And now um, Amanda Kruger shows up and says, I won't let you do this. Yeah, he's like, he's <laughs> like, like, where the fuck were you? Where the hell have you been <laughs> this whole time? I'm just going to back up into a Michael Jackson music video. <laughs> also, yep. why is that church shrouded and shredded curtains? Like what I, church you've been going to where everything is diaphanous curtains on top? I, 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 I swear to God, there I, was like some skulls mounted in the wall above the above the doors <laughs> when she when Amanda Kruger came in. Also, like the, the effect where he is like, I'm mutant baby Freddy and I'm going to climb on like the podium or whatever and it starts to rise into the air and it's like these weird ass kind of root things but also very inflatable yeah and you're like this is like a bounce house freddy and he's on the top of it and when he falls off when like it does that weird flip and like the stained glass explodes when he like flies off you see that one really big foot and like none of his body makes sense his foot i swear to god i was like does he have the 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 fingernails on his feet it's a huge (laughs) foot and then he comes up and he's like it's a boy and looks like jack from return to oz he's got like one normal freddy hand and arm and then this long ass thing that's like three times the size and he's like smile fist as which I cross I, I'm sure arm. in a sketchbook looked really cool mm-hmm. or they're like you know remember back in the first one where he elongated his arms like let's do a callback where he yeah. has one normal arm and one crazy scarecrow arm or whatnot it just doesn't look good it's not photographed well Stephen Hopkins his idea of cinematography is get me one giant light source and and then we'll see what happens. And that to me just doesn't work for, for makeup effects. It just makes everything look cheap and stupid. And yes, it makes him look like he's put together with spare parts. It's yeah. not cool. And, and underneath him is some sort of crazy used car balloon man going. His makeup is also just really bad. And it's poor. It he's is. Poor. He's gone from too wet to too, too fucking dry. I mean, this is like you bought this shit at Spencer's in third grade and you're like, I'm going to be Freddy for Halloween, which is awesome. I never got to do it. My mom didn't approve, but it's bad makeup. We've been doing this long enough that while we haven't gone all the way through to date, where like what was the best Freddy makeup so far? Was it? Was it three? Was it one? Like you barely see it in one. And I think it works best in that. I, yeah, in I, think, of, I think one is pretty good because again, you, you you don't see him that much. And I think that makes it scarier. I think two is also fairly good um, in terms of the overall look like post like two into three and four. It just got to like, you can tell it's very latexy and very just like, it looks like a rubber mask put on his mm-hmm. face. But I, I, I like the weird makeup in two yeah i i like him when he's moist yeah i don't like him dry <laughs> i feel like said. the entire <laughs> i feel like yeah everything here is too dry and it it started in four but they've really kicked it up a notch where he's practically ashy like yeah. he needs to moisturize he needs this man was burned butter. alive he needs cocoa butter he yes. needs something just a like, coconut oil oh, just some sort of deep moisturizer he needs to exfoliate (laughs) get a good mask on a vo5 there's nothing that a little nothing a little coconut oil couldn't couldn't fix Mm -hmm. but i feel like that particularly with um 
with four and five that they were trying to go for a more sort of almost Tim Burton like sort of nightmare look to the way he presents himself. But I feel on the other hand, you know, how he comes off in part one when he cuts his own fingers off in part two and he rips it literally rips the top of his head off. Yeah. I feel that that's way more effective than, Oh look, my arms are really long and weird. It's also I, like it was just lit better and it was darker makeup. Yes. And when you see it all lit, you're like, Oh fun. He yeah, actually well, he's see a lot of scenes. Cause he's the star now. So they, they yeah. have to show him as much as possible. Yep. And, and that's why he gets more dialogue, which is never good. Yeah, oh my I, god, he can't stop shutting up in this thing. Once, first of all, let's talk about one thing, and then let's get to his dialogue because it is fucking egregious. One, someone at New Line has a real wet baby slides into clothes fetish because we see it in here, and Jason goes to hell. So, like, why are they so fixated on tiny baby creatures sliding into clothes and things and regenerating? Why didn't they get it out of their system in this movie and think, you know what, we got to go back to the well on with Jason? That. And then on top of it, fucking Freddy it doesn't, they don't, they don't edit here. You should, he should deliver one or two great lines and be done with. It's, Welcome to primetime, bitch. And then it's showtime and donezo. Here, it's, I'm a baby wearing blue. It's a boy. Stop. It's Stop even talking. Worse than Dan's death. Oh, oh my God. That it's, when it's, he's like, it's, it's, injection. <laughs> it's like you're playing, what? it's like you're playing a video game. It's Accelerate. Like, <laughs> it's the worst version of Mario Kart or something you could ever imagine. Pop the clutch. <laughs> Put your pedal to the metal, Dan. It's like, shut up. Shut the fuck up and kill me already. <laughs> God damn. And then the dream stops and starts again. Like, oh, there are so many fake outs in this. It is really pissing oh, me off. God. So many fake outs. Just decide to just dis- like. It's obvious that he was just supposed to die in that truck. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What if he got on a motorcycle and became Twitso the Iron Man? Again, Stephen Hopkins thinking, you know what I could do better? Twitso the Iron Man. No, you can't. Turns out you cannot do that or Hellraiser better than either of those two movies. I mean, that his death is a hot fucking mess. And you, you look at like, when he wakes up in the cab of the truck and it looks like he's driving down a pitch black road, there's nothing behind him. And he has a head on collision with this semi. <laughs> and then Alice runs out. She runs out of the Craven where she's still working. Bless her heart. Yes. And like she runs out, but there's no way on earth. Dan could have been driving. Like he's a block away from basically a dead end street. Yeah. Why is this fuel truck going down the, a residential uh, business street? A pickup truck can drive straight into it. it and also he's dressed like Freddy Krueger, but not quite. Blood which all is... over his face. Blood. <laughs> also inside the Craven, my favorite part is they're playing that Houdini song that I like. So there's oh, you don't you like that better than you like bring your daughter to the slaughter? Yes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a Houdini man than bring your daughter to the slaughter. 
both not both nominated for a uh, Razzie Award for best for worst song. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, wowzers! This soundtrack is banana town. Um, yeah, we at certain points we cut back to the school pool where they're all wearing the craziest beaded. Uh, swimsuits possible and dan has finally taken off his goddamn shirt he still has the dry look hair but i can get past that he dies in this crash alice faints in the middle of the street and then wakes up in the creepiest hospital that has ever been creepy and are we to assume that this is the same medical facility that was in dream warriors i guess yeah i mean if you never know if it's weston hills or not but later they were, I mean, they certainly like, I'm not going to tell you it is, but it sure as fuck looks like it. They like, they went back to USC, but again, everything in the scene is lit by one light source and Alice wakes up and Kelly Joe Minter is like, Hey, just so you know, the love of your life is dead, but it'll all work out. Like your dad's here. You want to talk to him? And then like Dan's parents are in the back, like obviously hating her. Oh my God. My favorite reaction in this entire movie. (laughs) And there are a lot of good ones coming up in Greta's death scene. But my favorite is when they tell Alice that she is pregnant. (laughs) No, she's not pregnant. She's not pregnant. She's a little bit pregnant. She's got a case of the pregnants. You're you're just a little bit pregnant. It's just a skosh. And Dan's parents like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you see him through the window and like she's <laughs> nodding her head and covering her face. It's like, I knew that he was fucking that girl and now we're stuck with it. And she's a crazy person. <laughs> you're kind of like, I guess like that's the way you react to learning that you, I mean, first of all, you're in shock. You shouldn't be responsible for react for for every reaction you give at this moment in time. Your your child is dead. That that should be reiterated. But secondly, this is nuts. Where they're like, "Oh, I can't believe he did this to us." They are wow. offering her no comfort whatsoever. Oh, they wouldn't even touch her with a ten foot pole. And there are several poles available for them to it's, reach out, grab, and touch her with. There's so many poles in this movie. One goes through Freddie's head later. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very pole heavy movie. Oh, uh, we. Oh, I forgot to mention that during that uh, pool party, we learned that Mark is afraid of blood and knows dumb Greek mythology facts. So that's going to come back in this. That's basically uh, huge later in the movie no i'm kidding it doesn't ever fucking come back mm-hmm. it's even worse than the dream master there's nothing introduced in the beginning of this movie that will resolve it in the end freddie um takes off his own arm and uses it as a seatbelt. did yeah, we talk about that when Excellent. the hell was that i don't know i don't know again it's obvious that they've watched the other movies but taken every wrong possible lesson from them Apparently, yeah. apparently, uh, champagne works as battery acid on Freddy. Who, who knew? <laughs> oh, you know what teenagers are deathly afraid of? Picking the wrong year of their champagne. The, Wait, if there's, if there's I used to wake thing, up in a cold sweat it, it, in, in it, junior high. If there's one thing I'm pretty sure Freddy can do is rip off his own arm without without needing any sort of assistance. Yeah, he doesn't need uh, champagne acid. That's uh, one of those things he can just do. You know why? He's got a fucking claw on his hand. That That's how that works. He's Freddy. He turns into a penis worm. <laughs> like, 
he can do anything he wants. <laughs> um, when Dan's in that truck, he turns on the radio to what is supposedly a local radio station. And the DJ sounds like Johnny Five on heroin. <laughs> Well, I don't know, but he's also driving around in the truck and then it makes cartoon tire squeals like straight out of a Tom and Jerry cartoon. It's very weird. There's some everyone is making choices, Mm -hmm. but nine times out of ten, they are the worst possible choice that they make. So, yeah, he's dead. Uh, Then Alice wakes up. We don't we try not to make fun of the way people look on this show. (laughs) but let it be said that the individual that they, they cast as Jacob looks like a salamander dressed up in people clothes. He's been in, I I don't know the actor's name. He was in a ton of stuff when he was a kid though. He, he, he's got a very distinctive look and that look is sad little urchin. Yeah. (laughs) I, I can, I get why he was cast, but it is disconcerting to look at for long periods of time he's and we are forced like, to oh he's in the whole movie and he's not as fun as like miko from new nightmare no you know no no they they did well i think also i there's no no one has any direction no one's been given a character to portray so they're left to their own devices and his is stare at that single light source across the room and then you know enunciate kind of all right we got it one and done <laughs> and like he he looks like he has a serious iron deficiency like, <laughs> yeah he's like a little vamp he's like a little vampire child he, he he is like the precursor to what we do in the shadows or something but just, he, reminded me of, he, he reminded me of uh little ronnie um little ralphie glick from salem's lot like you should be like yeah. hovering out her window oh, oh man <laughs> just oh. tap tippity tappy tapping at the window Oh, my God. But this is all explained to us by a doctor who, and this will come as a shock to all of us, who have either dealt with babies, let's say as a career choice, or had them, that, and I quote, uh, people in this condition, that condition being growing a human life in their womb, are prone to outbursts and delusions, which... (laughs) Is not true. Uh-uh. No. Nor no. has it ever been true and is utter bullshit and just said aloud in this movie <laughs> as if I like children I, heard this and they're like, I guess that's a true thing, right? I mean, if you're if by outburst you mean being being upset because there aren't any pop tarts left, then sure, I, I had a couple of those outbursts when I was <laughs> or like you have really painful hemorrhoids. Right. You know, I <laughs> mean if, if yeah, I mean occasionally I had some morning sickness, sure. That that if you're if that's an outburst, but delusions, no, I, I did not have you know dreams about you know you a hundred maniacs gang raping a nun. No. Yeah. No, that's that's not one of those things that it like, hey, that dream serial killer, he's back. Uh you'll forget about him in your second trimester. That's not that's not a diagnosis. Then you'll get that the, then you'll get the back pain. You'll wish, <laughs> you'll wish you you'll wish you oh, dreamed man. about child killers. You'll know what's like, full. You know what's real time. scary? Cankles. <laughs> 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 Oh my God. Um, so anyways, uh, for some reason out of all of this, 
we cut to Greta's room. And I just, it should be noted that apparently she lives in a museum for creepy dolls and discarded lingerie. Her entire room is filled with creepy dolls. And I guess when she walks into the room, lace teddies explode off of her body every night. And she's like, I'm not putting that away. It, it is nuts that that's the way they decorated her bedroom for a motion picture. And then nothing is made of it because the next time we see this chick, she's like, dressed like a Michael Jackson's backup dancer with epaulets and chains across her. Her epaulets at the dinner table are so good. (laughs) Wowzers. That outfit is exceptional. And then you partner it with like that rusty high chair and you're good. It's so nice. I mean, the material of that dress, correct me if I'm wrong. That's, that's the the grand boudoir of an old west uh, whorehouse. I think oh. is the technical term for. It. I mean, it is like bad, bad, bad community theater, best little whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> oh man, wow! And crazy enough, she's the best dressed person at that party. But we'll get to that. Let's cut back to Alice's house, which has purple curtains. Once again, shout out to the pictures of her dead maybe twin brother and karate gear in the background. Um, Alice lays out the backstory and everyone immediately dismisses it as an idea is total bullshit. Even the parents burn Freddy Krueger alive part. Even though um, they should have all known this because in theory they've lived there. No one has a library. No one oh, has microfish. So mad. It makes me so mad. I it's, it's way worse than the Friday the 13th stuff because in there they keep injecting this non-existent time frame where it's like it's been like we changed the name of the whole town and bullshit and nobody and nobody's lived there so if if you're just if you're just vacationing there i mean yeah it's probably likely that his you know first rampage made national news but but i will give you a pass if you might not have been familiar with it these characters have no excuse for not knowing about this exactly It's, it's, I mean, we'll, we'll see if we go through that middle section of Halloween where everyone's like, what do you mean, Michael Myers? Michael Myers who? That would also anger me, but we'll see if that even happens. That um, and the clown music in Halloween. <laughs> well, here, there's someone went to the Calliope store and. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, yeah. Again, there's a little touch of Tim Burton in this, which is, which is weird. Yeah, and, I guess and doesn't quite and doesn't quite work for it. No, but Beetlejuice like the, was the year before this. There's so. Beetlejuice. There's there was there was a Pee Wee's Big Adventure, right? Which yeah. had which had a few creepy elements to it, yeah. and definitely some Calliope that that yeah. was on loan. It's just they tried to make this like weird gothic horror movie that doesn't quite work, and it's like you know later you see um, Yvette like running into the hospital and there's like gargoyles and shit everywhere which brings me back to like why are these buildings still in springwood ohio slash california when it's like the nancy slash freddie slash whatever house you want to call it is still there when it's like obviously the hoa would not be into that yeah and then you have this giant hospital that's just kind of there <laughs> this gothic hospital in the center of town that no one talks about the dearth of teen deaths that they had once upon a time. Uh, so during the sequence, we again learned that Alice is still cooking for dad, but I was, I was uh, shooketh 
when I heard Alice's dad be supportive. This is a first, a first for the Nightmare on Elm Street series where a parent hears information and you think, here it comes. And they're like, you know what? It's going to be fine. I love you. Everything's going to be okay. I just want you to be happy. And I, you know what, whatever happens, it's the the best thing. And then he keeps talking <laughs> and we get, I hope it's a boy so I can hear a boy play in this house, which like, right. and then the topper just don't make a habit out of it. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> ah, man. Wowzers. Fuck this movie. Yeah, Fuck but, but he is still, he is still way better than Greta's mom, though. Oh, for yeah. show. Hey, let's get right into why Greta's mom is such a grade A douche nozzle as we... We go to a party inside of her dining room, which looks like a chess king came to life and spawned clones everywhere. IMDb lists the people at that table as, quote, trendy guests. And it could <laughs> not be more wrong. <laughs> I, I, there was definitely a couple members only jackets in that crowd. Oh, there are so many loud loud button down shirts in the sequence. And it's like they invited every mullet in town and said, bring your worst wedding outfit and act like a disco cannibal. And they're like, I got it. And these are all, this is all somebody as an art director or costume designers idea of yeah. you know, the beautiful people. They're supposed to be society. Yeah. Yes. These are supposed to be like modeling scouts, uh, famous photographers, why they would be in Springwood, Ohio, I I, it, I have looks, no idea, but... It looks like somebody's just projecting the cover of a really bad Tiger Beat. <laughs> like, the colors are awful, the patterns are awful, and it's like, all we need is, like, Debbie Gibson in a hat and a ton of friendship bracelets. <laughs> like, it looks terrible in there. Oh, it's electric youth if youth has died. Well, <laughs> according to this movie, it does. Yes, and, and so, therefore... Uh, when they have a loud conversation across the entirety of this table about whether or not Greta should eat or shouldn't eat, or be thankful that he's going to be, that she's going to be introduced to Eileen Ford, which is I mean she must have loved that she was name checked in this movie. Um, then all of a sudden, Freddy Krueger arrives once again dressed as the help, and he arrives with a crudité platter. With a doll on top of it for reasons. This scene is so badly cut. I, yeah. I, don't, I had no idea what was happening in, in this in, in this moment. He's it's got much better in the unedited one. Well, because you get the finally get the idea of what he's forcing into her is her. It's like, I'm going to feed you ambrosia salad. That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, and he, he gives her like, he gives her like, you see like a shot of him kind of forcing his fingers into her mouth. And then because her, and like already her cheeks are like bulging. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that effect, that effect, makeup. that effect is so, it, it makes my heart hurt. It's so terrible. And this is nearly a decade after meaning of life. So I mean that I, was I, for comedic effect, everyone. I'm gonna I'm gonna gro- be a little crude here. Her her head looks like an ass. 
Yeah. And, and oh, it absolutely I, yeah, does. Yeah, I don't know. That does not look like what I would think a mouth with bulging. Your mouth should be wider if someone is filling it with food. You're, you're like, you should be looking like the fucking Joker. My favorite thing about this scene is if you watch the Never Sleep Again documentary, she talks about how when they were filming it, they she could only drink liquids. And she got very, very hungry. And on set that day, the food was spaghetti. So she ate it. And all that spaghetti sauce and shit got in the makeup and it was stuck in there. So she had to smell it the entire time she was filming. (laughs) It's bad. It's so bad. It's photographed badly. It's not, it's not, it's not scary. It's, it's not particularly like gross. It's just really bad and dumb. And then we don't even, they don't even apply reality to it when you cut to her just choking yeah. at the table. Everyone still looks like curious werewolves. They're like, oh, is someone choking at the table? Guess I'll just drink some champagne. <laughs> like, no one reacts like a human fucking being. Nope. There's no shock. There's no like, oh, my God, someone died in our presence. It's just, well, you know, you go to a a teen dinner party and this is the shit that happens. Guess I'll cancel that appointment with Eileen Ford. (laughs) I guess I'll (laughs) apply that to somebody else. Uh, And that, that does it. Like there's, there's a scene that happens after this where Kelly Joe Minter walks Alice through a parking lot, but who fucking cares? And you you get set up for Mark dying later. I was going to say, you get to see Mark attempt to act upset, which he does not do well. No, we learned that he apparently loved Greta, which we never would have picked up on when he's practically drooling in her presence every other time, which she seems to encourage, by the way. (laughs) He's like, oh, it's my pet boy. (laughs) Like, all right, whatever. None of these people are human beings. Why should I expect them to act as such? Like for all the shit we gave Friday the 13th, I don't think we've seen paper thin characters as paper thin as this movie in particular. Yeah. I've never seen characters. I've seen characters be interchangeable in the same movie. I've never seen characters be interchangeable from another movie. Yes. You you said earlier, these are basically all just replacements for her old friends. They are analogous. It's like you, it's like you picked up a new one at the store, like get me a friend at the friend store. And here comes Kelly Joe Minter. And you're like, okay, fine. This one dives. Get me the the really vain girl. Okay. Okay. Get me the guy with the silly (laughs) hair. He can stand in for both my brother and another guy. This movie is terrible, and we're only halfway through it. Um, who knows what will happen in the second oh. half, but we'll get to it before, though, we sign off on our coverage of this particular section of the movie. It is time to play Choose Your Own Death Venture. And as always, you know the rules of the game. If you had to choose between the two deaths presented here, uh, if you had to choose, like, which way are you going to die, which one would it be and Why? Up for bid tonight, we have kind of die in a truck accident, but also become a motorcycle and be fed sections of yourself by a guy, by, by a guy with a, a knife glove that also has a spoon, a spoon attachment <laughs> and become 
a butt face. And in, in, but, but not a cool butt face like no. in society. Like a shitty butt face. But then the butt face appears in the refrigerator magically <laughs> in something that is only in terms of bad special effects, it's up there with like Stan Uris's head and it. <laughs> oh man. You're just like, oh. It is. It's it's special. Not good. Mm-hmm. So, Jamie, as our guest, I turn to you for your answer first. Um, I, it it's really you know hard because there's so many options. Um, Greta, because I I like snacks and uh, that that to die in a dinner scene surrounded by the people there dressed in whatever the hell they're wearing, <laughs> mm. like make it an event. <laughs> that certainly you know? is. Like you don't want to just be like, uh, find me in a waterbed. Make, <laughs> make it an event. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Uh, and plus you get to choke to death, which uh, is really super glamorous. Uh, all right, Gina, what say you? Well, my, my immediate answer would have been Greta because I, I too enjoy snacks. Um, but the, <laughs> I, I really have to take pause with the whole the whole butt face thing. That just really, really bothers me. On the other hand, I mean, a, a car accident is a really, really unpleasant way to go. Mm-hmm. But I would get to make a, a one last wisecrack before I die. I mean, yeah. granted, it would be someone possessing my body and making a wisecrack. But I, I like to, I want to go out like that. So I'm going to have to go with Dan. Okay. Yeah. I, see, I would... I would typically choose Greta because I want the more glamorous death. I want to wear that dress. I want to have <laughs> luxurious hair. You want to appear in a refrigerator with a bowl full of eyeballs. Just the half of me after after a Peter Gabriel music video is broken out. That's that's that is very me. But I also want to be Tuetso the Iron Man and have a bunch of wires stab my hands. I don't know. It's a real tough choice here. I I think, oh man, I think we're going to go with Greta. I think we're going Greta because I really don't want an exhaust pipe to enter my calf. That doesn't sound yeah. fun. Um so, yeah, I'm I'm just going to smash into a truck. Uh I'm going to I'm going to take the easy way out. I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, you could you could go as the death of storytelling and plot. <laughs> there you go. But I can go as the death of this franchise as uh uh it totally was. Uh, oh no 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 up until Freddy's dead. That's, oh yeah, you, then then we're never gonna see Freddy Krueger again. That's the first one I saw in the theater, and <sighs> God help me. Oh. <laughs> oh boy. Uh so that pretty much does it now uh before we go uh jamie where can people find you here in this world and and find out what you're doing uh on instagram it's instagram.com backslash the jamie grayson which sounds incredibly pretentious um <laughs> on facebook uh it's facebook.com backslash jamie.grayson and then twitter is just the baby guy nyc Excellent. So, yeah. I honestly really wish I had a resource such as you when uh, I we first had the boy. 
because uh, that would have been awesome. Uh, so if you're if you're in, you know, the, one of those situations where if you're a little you, bit pregnant, if you're a little bit pregnant, if you're starting to have delusions about if dream if killers, a candy striper. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and you want to prepare for the other phases where you're not delusional about Freddy Krueger and maybe needs, you know, a car seat or what is the best baby backpack and stuff like that. Like you are an excellent resource. I'll talk to you about a breast pump all day. Excellent. Come on. (laughs) We inherited our breast pump uh, from an actress in town and uh, it uh, did not work well. Well, that's Um, why you shouldn't use a used breast pump. My friend. She didn't use it. She didn't end up using it. She just got it as a baby gift and she's like, I'm not doing that. They get very moldy. It's, very it's, inside. Oh no, we cleaned the whole thing. We went like, through, I, I washed those tubes. Oh. <laughs> it was a whole thing. And then uh, Becky described it as being a, a soft serve ice cream machine. Ooh. Did not like it. Well. And I don't blame her at all. Uh, so that's a fun story that I told from her that she should be allowed to tell and not me. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Gina First, tell me where people can find you on this here internet, and then tell me about Patreon. Well, uh, everyone can find me on my own website at ginaradcliffe.com. I am also a writer for The Spool. Um, Around the time that this episode will go live, I will have an article up about a much better horror movie, uh, John Carpenter's adaptation of Christine, which, uh, which does not involve... A lot of special effects, say, for the super cool car restoring itself scene, and yet somehow is the superior movie in every possible way. Anyway, um, so that is uh, thespool.net, and I am on Twitter under Porcelain72. And in regards to Patreon, uh, after a long stretch of nothing, uh, we have three we have we have three new Patreon patrons to announce. Um, so welcome aboard to Jordan Adams. Tara Gardner, and uh, last but certainly not the least is Norman Lira, who is donating fifteen dollars to us. Wow! When we only when we only offer up to a ten dollar level, I I I was a little bit uh, taken aback when I saw that, and I'm gonna have to figure out how we can uh, how we can compensate Norman for that. So so thank you, Norman. We hope that extra five bucks is uh worth your while. Norman, I'm going to work extra hard at really taking apart. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, uh, in your honor, uh, because that that is wonderful. Thank you so much to all of the people who support us on Patreon and those who support us in other ways. You can do it on social media when we when a new show comes up. You can retweet us and stuff like that. We're at Kill by Kill Pod. Uh, when you can heart us on Instagram, uh, Kill by Kill Podcast. And we have the Facebook page and group where we can get into all of the craziness and weird things that you find on the internet that have to do with Freddie and Jason. We love to hear about it. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we will have a new uh, Patreon episode this month. We will also, uh, this is episode 99, everyone. Wow. Believe it or not, this is the 99th time we've talked about something, some goofy horror movie on this show. <laughs> and for episode 100, guess what the date is? That's right. 
Friday the 13th. So we've cooked up something a little special for you. uh, And I can't wait for you to hear it. For those who have long-term fans of the show, it it might be reminiscent of something you've heard before. But hopefully you enjoy it nonetheless. And for newer viewers, hopefully it gets hooked on everything we talked about early on in the show uh, for Friday the 13th. So that just about does it for us. So for myself and for Gina and for Jamie. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. A Nightmare on Elm Street is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill's logos were created by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.